Happy We Met, Episode 7. This episode features Andrew Watson, co-founder and CEO of Happy Cabbage Analytics. After spending some time in the tech and finance world, Andrew started to offer some data consulting to a Bay Area delivery service to try and help boost their sales. And fast forward a couple years, and Happy Cabbage Analytics just closed a $1.5 million seed round to help dispensaries better understand their data. Andrew is smart, funny, and very much so himself. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this story. This is Happy We Met. What up, Andrew? Not much. How's it going? It's going well. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to chat. Um, I'm here with Andrew Watson, co-founder and CEO of Happy Cabbage, um, one of my only Zoom connections that has <laughs> manifested into a continuous relationship. We met during COVID. During COVID. And yes. have retained that. And uh, we met when I was looking for a texting service. <laughs> And uh, got introduced to, by uh, Lizzie. Shout out to Lizzie. Shout out. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'd love for you just kind of give you a stage. Just kind of who are you and, and what is Happy Cabbage? Who am I and what is Happy Cabbage? Um, I am Happy Cabbage. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so I'm uh, Andrew Watson, uh, CEO of Happy Cabbage Analytics. Uh, I guess, who am I? So, I'm always tempted to say professionally, like my professional background. Like, so if you go onto my LinkedIn, who will you see that I am? Uh, you will see that I have a career before cannabis analytics and texting in uh, corporate financial management. Uh, I was at Salesforce for a few years, uh, doing uh, running their customer success budget, which was about a $1.2 billion revenue, $600 million uh, expense P&L. For a few years do you feel tempted to put your pinky to your lip every time you, <laughs> you say billion <laughs> so it's always funny right because i'm always like yeah i was at salesforce for a few years and then people's eyes like perk up and don't get me wrong salesforce is an amazing company uh shout out to anyone listening uh who i met there at marky Finance mark himself <laughs> it's a great place but uh but i'm not gonna lie like when it's when it's um when you're trying to work on managing a billion dollars of revenue out of a $15 billion revenue portfolio, you're basically like trying to move five 12 ton containers on a container ship. And you're like trying to shout at the containers to try to convince the ship to like go in a certain direction. Hmm. There's a lot of ways it's like, you're not like, um, you're not at the driver's seat of a sports car, if you will, which is, you know, running a startup, a lot more apt analogy and so despite the tonnage of the container ship definitely being larger and the impact of that container ship on people in terms of like pure numbers definitely being higher you're like i would say like the emotional feedback loop that you get from things that you do decisions that you make immediately impacting like your own life and other lives of the people around you not as much sure you know um which like don't get me wrong like tons of stuff i learned there um, a big thing I credit Salesforce with in, in particular is teaching me how even in a even in working in corporate finance at a like large technology company, I could still be myself and that was okay. Huge. Huge. Way to go, Salesforce. Huge. Really big ups to Salesforce for that. Like, and how long <laughs> did you work there? I worked there from uh, October twenty sixth, twenty fifteen till May tenth, twenty eighteen. So more than two years. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. retained you. 
I know. <laughs> and trust me, like, I was, not only did they retain me, they promoted me twice and gave me a whole team of people. <laughs> Way to go, Salesforce. There was, it was a great, it was a great company. It was a great team. Uh, and then I, I actually followed my manager from Salesforce, Steve Cook. Uh, huge shout out to him. He was a, a massively influential person in my career. Uh, from Salesforce to One Medical. Uh, which is much, much smaller. Uh, they recently IPO'd. They're a primary care network. If you're in San Francisco or New York, you've probably heard of them. Uh, they do like virtual care on the phone. They're all about reinventing healthcare. A much more, I will say, powerful mission. Not that Salesforce's mission isn't powerful, but enterprise software versus we will make people healthier. Like, uh, like the people <laughs> got you going a little bit. More. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it's just the subject matter. Um, we help you sell more. Exactly. Is, is, versus it like, can only be so attractive. We will like, you know, make your physical body like better off. So, uh, had a great time there. There I like was able to like, I think meet a lot of people who are really mission driven. It was a lot scrappier. It was a lot of like different little things but you know um during my time at actually both salesforce and one medical i had started doing like on the side kind of work in consulting and cannabis companies for like financial and analytics consulting um and through that experience ultimately happy cabbage analytics was born and uh when i had an opportunity to go full-time into it in uh basically january 2020 i jumped feet first in with my founders and we've been building it up ever since and so, and what is it yeah so what it, what is happy cabbage analytics yeah so so what i like to say happy cabbage analytics is all about is um we take a dollar spent on us and turn it into 30 dollars of revenue for our customers ding ding that's one thing i like to say uh but more so than that uh, the way we do that right is um we take data out of retailer point of sale systems right so the systems that collect the information when people walk into the store and they're like hey i want to buy like you know a, a pack of pre-rolls you know we count we get the data of like who they are when they walked in what the pre-rolls they bought all their previous purchases and we basically take all of this data which is incredibly powerful and insanely rich and you know these are companies like sephora have armies of people who are studying this kind of information and we take that data and we try to distill it down to what should you, Mr. Retailer, Mrs. Retailer, uh, gender non-identifying owner of a retail shop, uh, what should you do with that data, right? And not just what should you do with the data, literally just what should you do, sure. right? Uh, and so the way we are in market with that right now is a texting platform, as you know, uh, in which we automatically identify a bunch of characteristics of customers find out like who likes, you know, candescent pre-rolls, right? Who hasn't ordered in a certain amount of time and basically try to package it up into as simple as possible of a thing. So that it's literally like click, send message, see results. Right. Right. You know, what, what I like to say is analytics is not charts and graphs and dashboards. Analytics is Netflix, right? It's just a very simple thing that says, hey, like, you should probably watch like Ghostbusters today. Boom. They even <laughs> just released, I actually thought of you because you shared that with me, and they just released their shuffle feature, which is Netflix. like the total just fuck a decision. Like Netflix. Netflix I did, I did not know I that. Want, I did. Tell me what I want to watch. Because they know. 
because better they than know you at they the go. end of the day. They know. Yeah, they know. And that's the thing is what they could do to you is they could give you a report every night that basically said 32-year-old male in San Francisco who have watched these shows also, that demographic has watched these shows this percent of time, these shows this percent of time, across these actors, these producers, these things. But then it sounds creepy. Yeah, exactly. Then they just – but that's but that's what – when people say, like, analytics and business, that's what they think. Right. It's effectively that, right? Like, it's like, here's a report of, like, a bunch of characteristics of a bunch of information, and it's like, use this to pick what show you want to watch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's super real. So yeah. I wanted, I definitely want to get more into data. And, and yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, you touched on something that I want to cover because it's, I think it's super interesting is how the, we, we glossed a little over the, I started doing consulting on the side and I launched Happy Cabbage in January. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a pretty large gap in the story there. There's a pretty crazy. There's some details. There's, so I'd yeah. love to know, like, what was this? consulting yeah. on the side, side yeah. right? I work at one medical, um, <laughs> but here, let me help you sell some weed. <laughs> <laughs> Great point. Uh, so, so what it was, was, um, it was, uh, 2017. It was like, it was, it was like fall 2017 and through, it was actually a friend from college and another friend from his friend, uh, who lives, uh, they're both from Pleasanton. Um, like he was up, uh, he lives in San Diego and he was up here uh, and we had a birthday kind of thing for him. And I was talking to his friend um, and he was like, you know, I've been starting to work for this like guy who's doing like a delivery service. Right. And I was fascinated because I've always been like, you know, every ballot measure to pass. I have been watching the numbers every single like movement of actually like how legalization was going like i was always like a huge fan of studying and watching and, and waiting really for that to happen you know um you know i was actually around that time that i had like in one of my like moments of like wanting to another job applied to work at ease and they had interviewed me to be a data scientist and ultimately did not employ me um <laughs> which is okay um but um it was, you know, he had said he started working with this guy who was in the East Bay. He had a delivery service doing like 20, 30 orders a day. And he's like, hey, you know, I was like, I would love to just like meet him. I would love to just learn about the business. I would love to just like have a sense of like, how the hell are these people doing this? Right. This is before wreck in California, like four months before wreck. Um, and so that's what I did. Right. I kind of met this guy, brought my really good friend uh bobby who's now the cto of the company and i brought my really good friend ryan who's the um co-founder runs our sales mm -hmm. side in and we basically just started looking at this guy's data and we were like holy shit like there are huge opportunities here like if you just priced at 99 dollars an ounce right if you just message your lost customers right who prefer flower like these messages if you just like optimize delivery routes in this way like very basic stuff and his business just started taking off it started like like more and more and more until like wreck came and then the flood of business and then by like may of 2018 he's doing 120 odd orders a day for right? x and how long was that five months six months it was 
the kind of growth that everyone thought cannabis was going to bring for the entire industry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it was, but it wasn't. And what it, what it occurred to us was, and, and it was kind of like a trial by fire because that was also the time of which, like, you know, drivers were getting robbed. They still are, but like, you know, that was an active concern, right? Like, you know, because of people getting shut down, like, you know, a lot of this business was having to be run out of this guy's apartment, right? Like, that was an active concern, right? Like, bulletproof vests and revolvers lying around and being paid in cash to try to, like, set up a server infrastructure, right? Like, that was, like, an active part of it, right? It was it was this crazy thing where, like, we really realized, like, you know, we came in a little bit, I'm not going to lie, like, a little bit of, like, some wonky kind of, like, data guys who were like, oh, like, we can figure out this stuff. And what we learned was, like, so much of it is about, being real with people at their level right and these are people who don't have master's degrees in statistics right these are people who do not have careers in like business analytics right these are small business owners who have oftentimes been like completely destroyed by the system fucked over and over and over again by the system for years and years and years and years and you're coming to them and you're talking about analytics it's not a game. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't. I mean, maybe like this guy <laughs> buys a lot of weed from me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I like it when this guy hits me up. Yeah. But yeah, nothing to the degree of, you know, this segment of customers hasn't come into my store in a few months exactly. and I should hit them up and exactly say what's up. But that information is so powerful and it honestly leads to questions that they often ask, which is I want to know who my regular customers are and I want to treat them well. Right. Like that's a very basic thing. I think a lot of a lot of cannabis business owners have. I want to know who my regular customers are and I want to treat them well. Right. Yeah. That data can solve. Data can solve that very easily. Right. But the thing is, you don't go in saying data can solve this. Let me show you a chart and a graph and a bunch of like numbers. You just say, hey, like, here's a tool I built that treats your regular customers well. Right. Right. So. <laughs> So you got, you you've made this crazy growth. This is now we've made it to early 2018. We've made it to legalization. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen that data can indeed help a business run more effectively. What a novel thought. Mm-hmm. Um, so then what? Did you just continue working with this one <laughs> delivery service, or you know what was the second one? Did he start paying you, and then it became a little more real, or how did <laughs> you know what? How did it materialize from there? So I, what what ended up happening was uh, it was a lot of growth and a lot of money very quickly for the for him for for the business owner for us for the people involved right um, and you know I think tensions got fairly high towards that because sure. when you're staring down like all of a sudden bringing in you know, $600,000 of revenue a month in cash, right? When, like, six months ago you were bringing in, you know, 30000 50000 of revenue a month in cash, right? Like, um, you know, that kind of uh, that kind of growth can be daunting for sure. a lot. And I think that the kind of the pressure that came with it was not something that we as a team were prepared to scale with. I don't think it was something that you know, we were ready to really like, we hadn't really kind of like honed what we were doing enough to the point at which we could say, you know, Hey, like this is something we could dive in with both feet. And at that moment, 
like we ultimately ended up having a little bit of falling out with the business owner and we had decided that wow, that was intense. I hadn't really slept over four hours <laughs> in months and uh, because I was also like running a team of people at Salesforce at the exact same time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and uh, so we went and ended up like iceboxing it really like just went on hiatus. It was like end of May, 2018. I decided to join one medical. Uh, I was like, you know, with that new job, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm done. Like, trying to hustle on the side heavily like for a second like so this was happening at salesforce not one medical exactly. i was wrong to say i work at one medical you didn't work at one medical i was that wasn't a salesforce. part of the pitch i okay. was working at salesforce at the time yeah and then very I interesting and then i started working at one medical and um yeah i just like stopped a little bit i was just like i'm done like this was exhausting i'm exhausted by this emotionally exhausted by this and we just kind of sat on it and we had all this software, we had all this success and just months went by and, you know, kind of Ryan and Bobby both like prodded me a little bit and they're like, you know, like we actually built something that worked really well. And I was like, yeah, but like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Um, but you know, that little, that voice nags at you, right? When you're like, realize like that, that the rush, like there's not like cannabis is such such a industry to work in because of the rush because of just how wild it is and crazy it is and how every moment feels so real you know and um you know it's really hard to like get rid of that feeling and then so what it was was actually ryan's girlfriend emily it was september 30th 2018 ryan's girlfriend emily uh, we're at a barbecue at my house like brought me into the back room and then she was like you know andrew should really start the weed thing again and i was like yeah probably (laughs) way to go emily you know i was recently thinking that there must be in san francisco just as someone who is married to a very high achieving professional in her own right with norma i just think that there must be dozens and hundreds and hundreds of partners and spouses who are just so deeply involved in the foundation of companies that never get on the website, never get an interview, never put it on their LinkedIn, never do anything. And it's like, I hear a moment like that and it's like, Emily, you know, maybe jokes that she's a co-founder, right? She doesn't have it on her LinkedIn as a co-founder, but it's like that moment. If not for that moment, perhaps Happy Cabbage was not founded so what is that we call i don't know i just i think about the the support all the time so that's a super cool example so then okay so emily pulls you aside holds you hostage says you have to do this in a very aggressive tone (laughs) (laughs) a loose interpretation if you've met emily you would know that that is modus operandi (laughs) (laughs) um and so then so then september 30th you start what happens then so so then so then I'm like okay so I like call a meeting if you will a meeting uh, uh, and I think honestly the meeting ended up happening on October 31st 2018 because I remember walking out of Bobby's apartment and looking up to Salesforce Tower and it had the Eye of Sauron thing I remember that so and that was the thing they were doing for Halloween so I, I'm pretty sure it happened at then and that's when I um yeah I mean it was. 
it was we were like, okay, like, what are we going to do? Like, we're, we're going to go out. Like, we're, like how are we going to go about it? And we decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go out and we're going to sell strategic assessments. Okay. Not very sexy. <laughs> I don't know if I want a strategic assessment. <laughs> it was like, we're going to sell them for $5,000 a pop. We're going to sell strategic assessments for $5,000 a pop. How'd and that then, go? Uh, we didn't sell a single strategic assessment. <laughs> you know, I don't want to say I was expecting that answer. So I'm just going to say what happened then. <laughs> so, well, we were like, okay, let's. Well, first, and then we had to name it. We, had, we knew we had to name a thing because we had to had to have an email. And so there was the great naming night Process, sure. in which, in which uh, Bobby... Uh, which Bobby and I met at a company named Analysis Group. And Bobby was like, we really need to name it something that's like serious about the fact that we do analytics. So we should name it Analysis Team. <laughs> and I was like, Bobby, we can't name it Analysis Team. And he was like, okay, you're right, you're right. Analysis Firm. <laughs> and then I was like, no, no, we got to name it like, like, Green analytics, and of course, there's already a green analytics. Oh, jade analytics, of course, there's already a jade analytics. Like, and then Ryan just like he pulls up, I think he pulls up like Ur- Urban Dictionary and he just starts reading out synonyms for weed, right? And so he starts with like Satan spinach analytics, no, hat, uh, uh, um, the devil's lettuce analytics, no, happy cabbage analytics, that one. And he's like, no. Ryan is like, no, 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 we can't do that. And then I'm like, no, 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 that's the name. And then we put it up to a vote. Two to one. And we won. And and <laughs> I actually, I believe Emily was actually there that night. So I think it was a three to one vote. Ooh, <laughs> nice. To really, really solidify it. So, uh, so, yeah. So that's how the name was born. And then we went out trying to sell strategic assessments. And, of course, nobody wanted to buy one. But everyone was interested in talking to us and, and learning about it. And that's when... You know, it was actually uh, they, they that first customer we had worked with back in 2017 called my cell phone. It was like like that week. It was like, hey, I need to work with you guys again. Right. And that's when sort of we were like, OK, it was like, OK, which what do you want to work with? And not, I'm not going to lie. We had built like, you know, like on fleet to can. Sure. We had built that. We had built that. Uh, we had built analytics dashboards. We had built pricing dashboards. We had built all kinds of stuff. Right. And he's like, the marketing tool, I really would like to be able to use that again. Right? And we're like, okay. And so in and so we we packaged that up, turn it on for him, a very loose version of what it is now. And what we realized was was the reason why he was so keen on the marketing tool. And when we then started saying, Hey, what if we just geared to selling what we were calling at the time the marketing studio? And all of a sudden people started resonating. What we realized was cause instead of going out and selling that we're McKinsey and we're selling analytics assessments, mm-hmm. right? And we're going to like do a bunch of math and give you a nice deck, right? Instead of doing that and going out and saying, hey, you have a need. Your need is to market well. And you know that you have the ability to do it intelligently because you know you have information. You know you have customers who like pre-rolls versus customers who like edibles. And you just don't have the ability to do that, right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to do effectively what the kind of math and analysis we would do in a strategic assessment 
but just package that up because in that assessment, you know what we would find? We would find that you have thousands of lost customers who prefer these product lines that are not selling well, and we've built you a dashboard to be able to target it. That's what we would have figured out how to what to do. Right. The strategy assessment says, look, here's a whole, good luck. See you later. Exactly. I, actually, I, I joke because my, my, I joke with uh, Sean, our COO, who's uh, kind of one of my bosses, and uh, I, my title is strategy and implementation. And I tell him that, you know, if I had negotiated to drop the implementation, I could have asked for a raise. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. Because consultants, you just say, look, here's your problems. Good luck. <laughs> I always hear it actually to be super clear the way I'm the way I keep saying good luck is because I'm I hear it in my head as the guy from Hamilton the king who's singing good luck <laughs> <laughs> That's what I imagine a consultant does after the project ends it's like good luck here you go yeah um so okay so then so they wanted something that was more action oriented which makes sense it's exactly. like a str- an assessment is less sexy than a tool exactly and we were like oh let, let's oh awesome we can call it actionable insights and then you google actionable insights and you find everybody and their brother is calling what they do actionable insights right and so so really that's when the concept that's when it started to really crystallize with us and this was by this by this, by this time it's like summer 2019 right okay. and we're still doing this on the side and it really started like the pieces started to fit together where I was like oh shit we have all of this data which we knew which is why we're doing it because it's fun it's fun to be able to look through data and find trends and find problems and be able to predict something and for it to come true right and then we were like and there's this huge gap between people who are basically saying they're doing analytics for cannabis and then cannabis business owners who feel as if analytics is helping them right? Helping their business, that they're getting a benefit, that they're getting a real tangible thing out of it. And we know because we're data scientists by profession and basically technology is at the point where with the kind of data people have, we can actually like fill that gap. We can just get it so that you want to know who to market to, when to market to them. And that just tells you, sure, done. Right. Um, and that's where I have what we're in market with right now with our Polaris solution. But where we're feeling, where we're thinking is like, look, like there's pretty much nothing that a business cannabis business does that can't have some amount of predictive analytics applied to it. Sure. Right. People buy this at this rate. Exactly. You should put this on your menu at this time. Right. You should price at this at this level. Uh, you should you know, staff at this rates at this time. I mean, every, I mean, that's the whole thing is that it's like that what you were talking about kind of at the beginning where how there's just such a disconnect uh, between the small business owner and data in general, you know, it's not just cannabis, right? Exactly. I mean, any small merchant, you know, I don't know if Sausalito in Sausalito that sells socks in downtown, I don't know how aware they are of what, you know, maybe they think certain things are their best sellers. Maybe, that, you know, so many people just don't have data. Whereas these companies like Google, Netflix, all these things you're saying are basically just data companies that have created a tool to give them more and more and more data. Exactly. And, um, uh, you know, it is just such a stark difference, and that's why these companies are worth billions and trillions of dollars because they have all this data and they're exactly. able to act on it. And no decision, like you know, startups are are known to be risky. Like 
like I just feel like the the risk maybe dollar wise at Google might be larger than a small business experience, but as far as like percentage of loss is never that exactly. big. They always know yeah. releasing this product is gonna generally work, and then sure some things miss. You know, shout out to Google, uh, Google Plus, <laughs> <No>. uh, <laughs> Google Wave. Yeah, you know, but they they must have rolled it out knowing there is a certain chance it would work. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it, it is such a disconnect. So, so is that something, you know, what, through this journey, um, you know, what, what are the things that you find are the common trends among retailers? You know, what are you most helpful? Like, do you, are you, are you selling? Are you teaching? You know, how mm -hmm. are you, wh what are, what's your experience of kind of the, the hurdles to get people to be interested in data when they, no, they should be using data. I mean, I guess maybe it's an alley-oop as you just kind of arrive. No, um, <laughs> but people, I think, know they should be using data. They just don't necessarily know how to use it, right? Yeah, yeah. So so the trends of like opportunities in data, essentially. Um, so I, I would say that, so a couple, a couple big things are how, so putting my finance hat on for a second which is one of my favorite phrases to do is say, putting my finance hat on for a second. Do you wear other hats or just a finance hat every once in a while? Uh, so I realize that this is a recording, so you can't see the fact that I have very long dreadlocks and I actually don't wear hats. <laughs> so only the, the proverbial finance hat. Sometimes I wear the CEO hat. Sometimes. A customer hat. I like to put the customer hat on too. Um, <laughs> but the finance hat is the one you take the joy and pride in. The finance is it hat like is a fedora with like a, a little feather in it, and it's got a little it's, bit it's of snootiness. I would say the finance hat. I mean, I'm thinking very much like you know, like you know, kind of classic capitalist from like long skinny cigarette with like a bowler cap, like putting my like you know, like like straight monopoly man, straight monopoly man <laughs> like finance, finance hat on. My finance hat on for a second. Maybe a spectacle too in a yeah, single yeah, eye. Like, <laughs> Let me talk about margins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but less. <laughs> Your earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Um, anyway. Were those, was that a sentence or just words? Ebita? No. no, no, no just, <laughs> <laughs> just words. Just words. They don't mean anything. It's not real. Money isn't real. Um, I did study economics at uh, Reed College, and there is a tenet of economics in which money is not real. It's actually a whole thing. So... That's like read economics 101. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's an entry-level class. Money, money isn't real. Now learn several thermodynamic models about that. Perfect. Um. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But foundationally, no, it's all bullshit. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Putting the liberal in liberal arts. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, after a large disparagement of capitalism and its infrastructures, um, <laughs> what do cannabis businesses? Um, so, yeah. So, so in general, on a P&L, a profit and loss statement, right, in the finances, what we see is 5 to 10% of revenue is being spent on marketing, right? Uh, and so if you're making, what's that, like 500 grand a month, that's 6 million a year. That's like a standard single store in San Francisco is probably making around that, right? Uh, then that means that you're spending $50,000 a month on marketing, right, uh, at the high end. Maybe if you're more frugal, you're spending thirty thousand dollars a month. But still, you know, if you're spending thirty grand a month, that's uh, thirty grand times twelve, three hundred sixty thousand dollars a year in marketing. That is a lot of money to spend on marketing. Now, what are you spending it on? The vast majority of the folks that we run into 
are spending the majority of their money on weed maps, billboards, flyers, new customer acquisition methods. Where if you're spending $30,000 a month on weed maps and you're getting how many new customers per month? Pure brand new customers per month on weed maps? It's the thing that sucks about weed maps is you don't even really know. You don't really know. But still, from a CAC, a very common metric in all kind of like businesses, retail businesses, software businesses, CAC, cost of acquisition, you're still talking $100 plus per consumer, right? Which, if your average order size is 100 bucks, you're like, oh, I can make up with that very quickly, right? Um, all of those same businesses, when we look into their data, we find on average about half of all their regular customers have not come back in 90 days. Now, we also know that those same customers who have not returned in 90 days, 90% of them order within 45 days. In fact, the average order frequency for someone who hasn't returned to your shop in 90 days is the orders that they had before. That last one is 20 days, hmm. right? So it's not that they order once every three months. Furthermore, it's not that they stop smoking weed. It's just that they stopped buying it from you. They just stopped buying it from you. And... The cost to text that person, the cost to email that person, the cost to message that person, the cost to go out and communicate with that person who you already know what products they like, you already know their information, you already know what time of day they buy and what day of the week they're buying at is significantly lower than the amount of money it costs to acquire them again through Weed Maps. Sure. And majority of all businesses do not know one the number of regular customers they have two the number of them that have not come back in 90 days and three how much money they are spending on reacquiring them and how many they've managed to reacquire right right and so your whole the the pitch is sure you can get a new customer by getting a brand new person and advertising and acquiring or you can do it for pennies on the dollar exactly. if you just hit up the people yeah. who have already shopped with you yeah. and just haven't come back in a minute. Particularly if you got all those customers through Weed Maps in the beginning and you already spent a huge amount of money on acquisition costs for them. So you have a huge list and they just maybe are still checking Weed Maps exactly. and going somewhere else. Exactly, exactly. And so that's that's one of the major, I mean, that's the whole point of why we built Polaris, our SMS tool first, is because we were seeing that gap so starkly in the market so quickly right? and that all the energy is going into acquisition without showing love to the already exactly. acquired and then knowing okay how many of that like what does it mean to be good about retaining and reacquiring lost customers and keeping existing customers happy right it's the same kind of concept with loyalty right like so you we can turn on a loyalty system and i'm not saying loyalty systems are not great and they're they shouldn't be used but do you know if you're spending, because on average, those same customers who spend 5 to 10% of their marketing also lose about 5 to 10% of their revenue on discounting, right? If you know that you're losing that much money or spending that much money on your loyalty program on discounting, do you know how many customers it has been able to recapture? Right. Right? Do you know whether or not that loyalty system is actually causing them to order more frequently? It's do difficult. you know? You don't know. And that's the thing is that we actually do know. We are data scientists by trade. We have all of that information. 
our not knowing one of those questions is purely a function of have we looked yet? Right. Because if we look, we know, basically. Sure. And that's how we're, yeah. And that's, that's why we, we approach it. That's how we think about it is like, what are the big problems that they're facing? What are the obvious areas of data? And let's just start looking. And then if we find something cool and obvious, let's build that as a tool that we can give back to them. Right. And say, look, if you use this tool, it'll save you X amount of money. Or exactly. Or it'll make you this much more effective. So, well, this is all great. Um, I do, uh, you know, I, I want to kind of give you a platform like where where do you see it going and what's the, you know, if, if all goes well, you're at the early stages of building a company, you know, where 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 do you see Happy Cabbage in a few years or what, what would what would the dream what's the dream state of Happy Cabbage look like? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, first and foremost, a thing I like to say all the time is I do not see myself as a be-all, end-all SMS marketing tool. Um, SMS is a feature. It is a way to action on data. It is one way. There are a lot of different ways. Uh, and so what we're keenly aware of and keenly working on doing is actually building out a larger suite of applications associated with the concept I just said, which is like, where are the high impact areas, right? Um, <clears throat> those are probably pricing. Um, let's just say that if your way of pricing is take what the distributor gives you and multiply it times two, uh, you're really counting on the fact that your distributor knows how to price for your market and your customer base. Yep. Um, I'm going to tell you, they probably do not. They just don't, right? Uh, the amount of money that Sephora spends on figuring out pricing, the army of people who work on pricing at Sephora, trust me. Like you, you need seem to, to know sick. a lot about Sephora. Should be should Sephora be worried about a data breach that you <laughs> no, have uh, no, taken no, advantage I mean, of? Here? They're a great example. I, I actually, so I know people who work at Sephora in the analytics like area, and so I like them as a good example because it's just it's a retail product. High end. They're retail great product. at selling. They're great at selling, right? Like everyone every says, they love shopping at Sephora. Exactly, and the reason why they do is because they study every transaction. They figure out every price. They look at everywhere. Everything is put on those shelves down to the square inch across all the stores. There's a reason why every In-N-Out burger is laid out the exact same way. Sure. You know, um, <laughs> these are not accidents. And so you see, so you see pricing as one. So, I mean, in general, I mean, that's where I, I, I you know, one of the things I love is that you keep analytics in the name. I keep saying happy cabbage, but it is happy cabbage. Everyone analytics. drops the analytics. I know. Everyone drops the analytics. I know. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, and so, you know, that pricing is one and that totally makes sense of just, yeah. SMS is the tool. Pricing may be a tool. Inventory. Inventory is a big one. Knowing okay. how to, how to reduce the overall cash value of what is held on the shelves. That's something you told me, uh, that I think it's like resonating that we've been hearing a lot. Um, you know, and that's because it's hard to know what sells. And I mean, exactly. that's, I mean, especially with the concept of the buyer, you know, where it's like, and the trends are, like you said, data is so fickle in cannabis where it's like, maybe this is trending up, maybe it's trending down, maybe it's selling well at one store, which is not necessarily how it's going to sell at any other store. And exactly. it's just, it's so difficult to know what products move exactly. in this industry and, and, and returns suck and you, and consignments tough and exactly. net terms are tough. And so, yeah. I mean, ultimately, I will say, like, ultimately what we are working towards is building a model of the cannabis consumer experience where 
effectively what we can do is we can take any individual cannabis consumer in existence and predict the next thing that they will do from a purchase behavior thing. We'll predict what they're going to buy, at what price they're going to buy it, where they're going to buy it, when they're going to buy it, right? Maybe that prediction is not the most accurate, but scaled across hundreds of thousands of consumers, it starts to get very accurate. And, and then, then eventually, just like Netflix has a shuffle and show me the thing, you'll be able to just plug into a dispensary menu and say, fill my bag. Exactly. And you're going to be happy with it exactly. 85 to 90% of the time. Exactly. Instead of forecasting what products are going to sell where based on like top level trends, we actually know at the individual consumer level and exactly. Then it's a matter of what do you want to know? You know, what do you want to know? What do you want to do? Like, what do you want to sell? What do you want to build? What do you want to make? Who do you want your customer to be? Who do you want your customer to be? Right. Um, and the cannabis consumer, all of a sudden, they feel like, wow, like these people know and care about what I want to smoke, when I want to smoke it, and how I want to smoke it. Right. What a world that'll be. <laughs> what a world that'll be. <laughs> <laughs> well, right on. Well, we are just coming up on the 40 minute mark. Um, I could talk to you forever. I feel like we have so many great conversations, but um, yeah, I just, I really, I, I don't know. Is there anything else that you want to get out? Any shout outs or any, any, uh, any anything well, to kind of wrap? Well, I, I, so uh, yesterday was my mother's birthday. Today's the first of October. It's the second. It's the second. Okay, two days ago was my mother's birthday, and she made a comment that I hadn't shouted out her on a previous uh, recording I was on. So I want to make a comment to shout out to my mother, uh, Estelle Doctor Estelle Goda. She is the head of the division of neonatology at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto. Um, so using large words runs in the family. Yes. She's, yeah. Yes. Uh, she is currently writing a research proposal on how to save babies who have bad lungs from something. I don't remember. She explained it to me. Very but she's going to save them. But she's going to save them. So I just want to give a quick shout out to my mother. Uh, Mom's always. <laughs> and uh, to you, Michael, obviously, for your support. And uh, yeah, you know, just for, you know, everyone, we just finished raising our seed round uh, last week. That was a big, huge moment. Um, the team really, really dug in, helped with that. Our customers really supported us throughout it. And uh, I'm just really excited to see what the future is going to hold. So am I, man. Well, yeah. I am happy we met and I appreciate the time and um, let's have a great night. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe on Spotify or Apple Music. You can also stay up to date by following on Instagram at happywemet. For more information about the awesome people featured on this podcast, visit happywemet.com to learn more about them and find their contact information. Your time is appreciated. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Happy We Met.